0: mmm that's good that's right you heard that sound it's a new episode of digital coffee that's right welcome to all my digital coffee brewers all my digital coffee connoisseurs I'm calling you that from now on so uh, be, be a part of the group anyways I'm your host Brett Deister and so let's get on with the tech news so New Zealand yes New Zealand I'm talking about New Zealand is offering to pay tech people to, uh, well, come over there and work there. So here's the thing. The city of Wellington is attending to fill about 100 tech jobs, and that's be, that is basically anywhere from uh, designers to developers to engineers to digital strategists to analysts, insights, all the business part of it that you want to know or didn't want to know. They're looking for that. Now, you have to fill out an online form to do this, but all expense paid travel to go to New Zealand... I mean, might as well just try it out. It's a four-day type of trip, but airfare is included, hotel stays included as well, which is a pretty hefty fee if, if you ever look to travel there. It's not cheap. Uh, but, I mean, hey, if you really hate the president and you really hate where the country is going, maybe just go into a different country, which probably does speak the same language as you do if you're in the States could be something for you so for all my people that either want California to succeed or secede not succeed well we all want California to succeed but secede uh, from the Union or anything like that maybe if you just go to New Zealand and new tech there we won't have to do this fiasco uh, is, is this uh, interesting thing... I think it's actually really interesting. Uh, I think it's actually a pretty decent way of uh, getting top talent to come over there. Uh, I mean, you are going to be... Um, you basically are going to be doing a lot of interviews, meetups, all other fun stuff. But it's a chance of a lifetime. It's a chance to uh, see if you can make it somewhere else. And it's a chance to, uh, well, get out of the United States if you hate it so much. I keep on saying that because... I mean, it's a bunch of people, it's not a bunch, but it's a portion of the country does not like what's going on. And so if you don't like what's going on, use your opportunity if you work in tech to leave, if you want to. If you want to stay and work it out, like in most relationships, that's up to you. Anyways, moving on to Prisma. Yes, Prisma is going to have new filters that's right it has an app store which allows you to download filters which right now are free but could eventually be paid now you can uh... delete any filter that you want which is awesome because there's probably a handful of them that you don't use after a while you just stick to the ones you use but there's an extra thing so for their most ardent users their most engaged users are giving desktop tools for them as well to make their own filters that's right you can make your own filters well eventually I mean they're not there yet but they're desktop tools now to make this you gotta fine-tune it there's sliders for it and it takes about an hour and a half to fully render so that's quite a bit of time to waste on that but if you are looking for I don't know some new filter or you want to you know, check out, try your chops out or try your artistic uh, flair or artistic nature out with this. This is something for you. Is it, uh, is it interesting? It's very interesting. I think this is a really, it's probably one of the better artful filter apps out there. Uh, for editing purposes, I still love and still say use Snapseed because it's actually a really good. Uh, and very powerful for what it can do uh, mobile photo uh, editing app so there is that now uh, you're gonna have to wait for the desktop tools but like I said before if Prisma does allow users to upload them and charge for them this could be a really interesting revenue stream for them and for their users as well especially if your filter gets popular will we see it anytime soon and yeah, we'll probably have to wait it out a little bit but I mean, potential, there's always potentials everywhere so I'm all for, I'm all for this, I'm in favor of it. Alright, are you using a Mac computer? And if you are, you probably don't know much about tech, but I still welcome you anyways. Yes, I do make fun of Mac people every once in a while. Some of you are actually pretty smart, but a lot of you that use Macs don't know much. Uh, but anyways, uh, moving on to what this is all about, now, Looks like Google has found well found a bug in an antivirus app specifically dedicated to protect your Mac. Yeah, the ESET Endpoint Virus 6 for Mac OS has a pretty bad vulnerability. The problem is that there are risk in the XML uh, parse library. It's called uh, Poco, and it includes uh, code from the Xbat XML parser, which which is a well documented glitch allows attackers run arbitrary code ex- uh, execution via malformed XML content basically it just it, it doesn't do well for you it, it's a pretty bad vulnerability which basically allows them to uh, remote access your device that's right so if you have the ESET endpoint antivirus 6 I would recommend you update it as soon as possible because if you don't Someone could get a control of it, and then what are you going to do? You're going to be like, oh, I don't have to use my computer anymore because someone else has control. You don't want to do that. You want to make sure your stuff is safe and secure, so update it. And if you aren't updating it, you're insane, but still update it. Moving on to Facebook. So Facebook has um, has suicide prevention tools uh, that allows people to report people that may think of ending their lives. Now, was, this was only for specific posts and other things, that w- and it was very rudimentary. Well, they just uh, turned on the tools for live broadcasts now. So, if you find somebody that's going to off themselves because of whatever they think is um, heartening or so so harsh or so cruel in this world that they need to end their lives and I'm not making light of this or joke about this anymore. I understand this is a terrible problem. We have a terrible issue with this in the United States. So this is a good thing because the problem was is that a 12 year old girl live streamed her death and that's probably not the best thing to look at. It's probably very scarring for a lot of people. Uh, so I, I commend Facebook for doing this because it is becoming a problem where people will just live stream whatever and not think about the consequences and then people watching it cannot unwatch whatever they saw. So it's a good thing and it will prompt you to uh, send them over to so, uh, about three different groups, uh, the Crisis Text Line and the National Eating Disorder Association and the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline To help people, you know, not end their lives because life sucks at times but it's never that bad that you have to end your life. Or I'm being positive and saying that you should never do that. There's always an option out. There's always something better on the horizon. It's just, sometimes it's hard. I I get it, it's difficult. It's not easy, but yeah, it's never the option. Anyways, moving on to another Facebook release. Now, Facebook has released its Facebook video app for Apple TV. That's right. You can now watch all your fun videos of your friends if they make fun videos, on your Apple TV. Now, I know Apple's been, not Apple, but Facebook has been pushing hard into video and trying to convince people that it is the de facto place to go watch videos, which is still YouTube, because, well, people watch over a billion hours a day on YouTube. But, it sounds to say that Facebook doesn't isn't trying its best. Now, to a lot of friends upload videos, yeah, are they good? Eh, not really. They're all right. I mean, they're just common videos. I'm are they worth watching maybe once, maybe twice. I don't really know. I don't really go too much on Facebook uh, these days. I just really just don't find value in it. But uh It's an interesting move for them. It's an interesting way of trying to get people to go to the site and to actually watch more videos because that's what it's trying to convince people to do. It's trying to say that Facebook is no longer going to be about messages and pictures. It's going to be about videos. All the time. Videos. Video here, video there. America's Funniest Home Video. Well, that was a while ago. But yeah, you get the point. It wants to make sure that people are watching so much video that that's what they're only going to there now it's it's it is what it is i mean that's how facebook i mean not facebook well facebook and social media has been evolving is being more and more video now you could say youtube has now beat it and that's true but it is what it is all right apparently there's a new slack bug that's uh not very good so uh, this res- this uh security firm that has basically found other uh, vulnerabilities in Slack. Uh, found a pretty bad one. Um, when he, when this person was doing um, a chat with somebody, he saw that he can intercept chats and even like not have the chats go through. But then he saw he can make a malicious website and take the uh, Slack token from it and get full access to the account. Now Slack has said that they have. Uh, plugged the bug but hey the researchers got three thousand dollars for that not bad not bad for that but yeah uh make sure that you're updating it now this now they said it was only a problem for the web version of it i don't know if it's actually for the application as well but uh it didn't really seem very good that they could actually steal your token now you're wondering what a token is it's kind of a way of granting access to your account in a way it's granting a site access to your full account showing you, showing it everything that you see and maybe changing around or stealing things that you may not want other people to steal like credit cards or anything like that. So that is uh, why it's so terrible. But it's good that they found it and they plugged it and it wasn't some nefarious group that wanted to exploit it. It was actually a group that wanted to test out vulnerabilities and wants to make sure that the company is made well aware of it, which is always a good idea, I say. All right. So this is an interesting new uh, site done by Brown University that has built a well it's built a uh, interactive uh, statistic where the the um, stats aren't as boring. So I checked it out for a little bit. It's actually kind of cool. Um, it gives you different types of stats. It's very uh, animated. It gives you different types of things. It actually is very interactive as well. So it did basic probability and it said flip, uh, did coin tosses and you can toss it once, toss it twice, say the average, which is 50-50, and you could do like 100 tosses and it will do, and the uh, algorithm or the learning machine will do about 500 of those, as well as uh, scatter points or samplings, um, as just correlations, uh, conditional probability as well. Several different others, but it's very interactive and very cool looking. So if you're looking to you know up your, you know graph games, this is what you should up it to. It's it's very nice. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's uh it's a it's very interesting. Uh, just to like try it out and just to see what's what what's going on with it and how. Um, interactive stats could be in the future or even more interactive than they are because stats are if you're like me they like to actually read the stats they're interesting to look uh, to read but they're not all that fun to read so this just makes it more fun which is good because people may actually read more stats because it's good to read stats all right there's been another leaked samsung galaxy s8 render and it looks uh well, it looks very like Samsung Galaxy phones. Uh, very rounded edges, curved screen. There's actually a third button that people are speculating about what it is. It could be part, it could be a button for launching apps. It could be a button for uh, launching Samsung's own uh, virtual assistant. No one really knows for sure, but the phone looks nice, looks sleek. I still prefer my Pixel. I, that's me. I, I like vanilla Android as much as I can. But you cannot deny that Samsung is the most popular Android device maker in the world. They're the ones that really did make Android uh, a top-tier product, but also a well-recognized product as well. Uh, it's one of the few ones that actually did it well and successfully. Uh, others have come. LG's does a pretty good job, HTC did a good job for a while and kind of lost it, and Motorola has done a really good job in it recently. Uh, with the Moto series when uh, Google took over. Before that, they, eh, they they were all right. They weren't good, but Samsung has been consistently making great products. Now you have other ones as well, like the next bit, which actually was an interesting one. You also have uh, One Plus, which is another which is another great phone as well. But like I said, it's an interesting time and. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what the reviews are on this. I will not be reviewing it because buying phones is expensive and I only need one. Moving on to Twitter. So uh, Twitter has been marching on to making more new tools for people to not have quote-unquote abuse. And you're wondering why I put quote-unquote abuse. Well, here's the reason why. I think a lot of abuse is fabricated. I think a lot of abuse is people not liking other people... Uh, Calling them on, well, their own bad ideas. And the problem is with Twitter is that when you try to become the public forum or the public town square and you say, well, these people can't talk, these people can't talk, you have a problem because public square is public for a reason. Now, they use this willy-nilly because they're like, public square, but we're a private company, so we can ban whoever we want to. Yes, but you've got to be consistent. If you were, and I keep on saying this, if you are in the business of allowing people to share their ideas, you have to look at the First Amendment as your go-to source for how to do it correctly. They did it for a while, but that was when they were young and they were just trying to get people to... Uh, to use the service. Now they have a lot more people uh, stagnated a bit but they have a lot more people and now they're trying to clamp down on it instead because of unsightly or quote-unquote hate speech which is always subjective to whoever you're talking to. Now their tools allow you to uh, well to filter out people with default avatars. Now I get people can create a Twitter profiles pretty quickly and they usually just do common Twitter eggs because they'll just get uh, banned it's it's a -a whack-a-mole game for Twitter a lot of times but it is a way to mute or silence uh, people as well. The mute button has also been updated to allow you to not see the tweets anymore as well Um, do I think the tools, I mean the tools are fine give people what they want is the best way just to ignore it more than likely, yes, it's the best way to do it, is to ignore it because you're still going to be doing a whack-a-mole for the most part because then people are going to figure it out, put a uh, picture on their avatar anyways. It also allows you to filter out uh, with unverified email addresses or phone numbers if you really want to go that route as well. But like I said before, sometimes I think the abuse um, argument is not really fine-tuned and it, 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 it all encompasses people that just disagree with you and you don't like that they're disagreeing with you and that they are proving you wrong. Uh, that's my other problem with it. So are we going to see more of an exodus with other people onto other sites? We probably are. Uh, is Twitter hurting pretty badly? Yeah, it's it missed its fourth quarter projections. Its um, user base is flatlined. It's not really growing as it should. And its revenue has fallen quite a bit. It has not made a positive revenue stream at all. So this is just its stopgap way to make sure that it's going to be profitable or trying to be, hey, look, we do care about you type of a thing. Do I still use Twitter? Yeah, I still use it. still like it. Am I going to be probably going to other places? More than likely, yeah, I'll probably going to gab, uh, AI a little bit more heavily. I gotta just got to build that habit in or minds.com probably those because those actually care about more free speech than facebook or the other ones because they don't really care about it too much anymore so i'm gonna go over probably over to there because i actually care about free speech i actually care about letting people say what they want and then just discrediting them it's the best way of doing it just discredit them all right, moving on to Mozilla. So it looks like Mozilla has done its first ever acquisition and it's a whopper. It picked up Pocket. If you're wondering, Pocket is a really popular save for later type of app where you can save anything for later to read later and give you a nice little digest form. Uh, it's used by a, a bunch of different people. It also has a its own uh, kind of subscription service. But this is interesting. Uh, to see that Monzilla actually snapped that up. I think it's a great snap-up because it's Pocket. I mean, people use Pocket. It's been around for quite a while. Uh, and kudos to them for getting Pocket. I mean, I don't know. There's not much they can say beyond Monzilla. Wow, you really uh, shocked us all with that one. But, uh, but if you haven't tried Pocket, I would actually highly recommend it. Pocket is one of the best ways of saving things. There's also Instapaper as well, which is owned by uh, Pinterest, but I still like Pocket the most out of all of them. They're fun. It's fun. It's it's, it's good. It's good. Moving on to Snapchat. So Snap Inc., as that's going to be the company name for Snapchat, is coming out with its IPO tomorrow, or if you're listening to this on Thursday, uh, today, uh, you know, you know, the projection is that it's going to be $17 per share, uh, which is kind of around the validation that was going to be. It's going to be around $24 billion at the validation price, but $17 per share. Now, there have been like some worries about Snapchat because of how much it's lost, but also how much its revenue growth has made as well. Do I think this is an actually an interesting buy? I think it's an interesting buy for investors. Now, I want to preface this. I am not a professional investor at all. Um, these are just opinions. Do not take this as an expert in this field whatsoever. I'm very much an amateur in stock trading. Uh, without of the way, um, analysts have been like, well, you should wait off, you should hold off on it. Someone said yes, someone said no. I think since Snapchat has Facebook worried the most out of every one of them, uh, they have a good shot of actually being the biggest rival to Facebook, especially since Facebook has blatantly copied almost every single feature that Snapchat has done. Now, there's been a few other features that Snapchat has brought out without anybody knowing. I mean, the purpose is because it doesn't want Facebook to steal all its stuff. But the other interesting thing about the IPO is that if you buy the stocks in it, uh, you have no say in what the company is going to be doing whatsoever. So you just buy it and you just hope that the CEO is... Doing the right thing and on the right track record. If not, well, you can always sell. But uh, here's to hoping that Snapchat actually does actually rockets off with a good uh, launch. Now it could. Most most of these tech companies do. GoPro did, Groupon did, Twitter did, Facebook did. But Facebook's been doing good for quite a while. Um, a lot of these, and a lot of them haven't done so well. Square did a pretty good IPO. Um, like I said, a lot of these have done a really good IPOs and then just have fallen off. So it, they could be a really strong IPO and then all of a sudden dip down because people either will find that it's not doing that well or other things may happen. Uh, it's really debatable. Do I think it could be a really good buy? It could be. However, say this however, and I'll say this again, I'm not an expert, this is opinion based, and only opinion based. If you do trade in stocks, consult your investor or consult a stock app like Robinhood or something like that to actually get uh, expert advice. I am not an expert in this, I am more of an amateur and this is only opinion only. I hopefully have fulfilled my legal obligations for the second time, Uh, but like I said, is it interesting, especially since uh, there, there's a new lens games coming out. There is this uh, Spectacles that are uh, for sale online as we speak. Uh, I think there is a lot of uh, strength in what Snapchat does. Is there some weakness? Yeah, uh, Instagram has still stole someone's thunder, which is owned by Facebook. WhatsApp has done the same thing, and Facebook's doing the same thing as well. But I still don't think uh, Facebook can steal too much of its thunder. I think it can... Um, delay a lot of the older generation from getting on Snapchat, but that's the only thing Facebook can really do unless Snapchat cannot figure out a way to become profitable. So there's that. All right, do you still send a whole bunch of data through your Gmail? Well, hooray, everybody. You can now send up to 50 megabytes of files, so you can send several different things. Now is 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 that a good idea? Eh, probably not. Probably not the best. I would probably do more secure uh, ways of doing it. Either we transfer or Dropbox or one of those file sharing places instead because it's a lot more secure that way. But sometimes it's just the easy way just to, you know, send an attachment over like that. But like I said before, it's very dubious to do that. It's sometimes you have to really weigh your options for that as well but rejoice gmail users because you can finally send up to 50 megabytes of attachment yay well i mean you still could send more it just went to your google drive instead and then you had to send the link instead so i mean you could still send it it was just a roundabout way of doing it but this is just adding more file size because files are getting bigger let's be honest with you files are getting really big uh that 25 megabytes isn't great anymore but i would say if you're sitting out large amounts of like video files don't use gmail use something else use google photos or something like that all right so i'm gonna talk about that so let this that this that i'm looking at my screen you don't know what i'm talking about but i'm going to say cloudfair so cloudfair was a major um a major company for online that basically helped uh companies, online companies uh, with security and speed and all this other fun stuff and it was a very popular uh, plugin tool application to uh, use. Well last week there was a vulnerability called Cloudbleed now I always make fun of this because every con- almost about every controversy in tech has something to do with or vulnerability or virus ha- now has to do with bleed and then almost everything in politics has something to do with gate except for gamers gate which is uh, albatross of of itself, but everything like Watergate, Benghazi gate, so we just slap on gate, and then for tech we just slap on bleed. So heart bleed, cloud bleed, it's just really fine to me. It's like we don't we aren't really original with our controversy titles. We just put something bleed, and that's it. But to moving on, so. They've been trying to figure out what has happened because the vulnerability has been a major vulnerability that kind of goes back to HTML parse with HTTP um, type of um, responses. So when, so HTTP and HTTPS are kind of two different ways. HTTP is not secure and HTTPS is a secure way of doing uh, the web. Now Google has said this year that a lot, that uh, website should be HTTPS, and I agree with them, uh, but that doesn't mean there has been some vulnerabilities when uh, you know g- getting or um, contacting or communicating with the HTTP protocols as well. And that's kind of where it got a little fuzzy on that one. But for CloudBleed, um, or CloudFair, I should say, they, they've they been trying to handle this mess. What they have done is they've worked with Google, Bing, Yahoo, and uh, badui uh, to basically eradicate uh, 80,000 cached pages that thought that could have sensitive data because the problem is that the, with the vulnerability with about 180 sites there were about their vulnerabilities with passwords social security numbers things that um, well that you really don't want other people to see or have at all things that You don't want anybody else to have things that could ruin your life make it a very big headache that type of thing so they are sorry about this they're doing their best to um get to the bottom of this the problem is is that it's not like a common um kind of hack attack that most that most happen the problem is with this is that it was a vulnerability and it's harder to track down with it so what they've done is that they've figured out uh, requests per month because the problem is the hackers would just go through cookies and the cash cookies they would have to refresh and so they would have to figure out um, where was the spike in uh, requests from one page to another and figure that part out so if request for months was 20, $200 billion to $300 billion um, they would contact those customers first and then delineate down further uh, it's interesting to see that this happened, but as always, if you're affected, and this is OKCupid, this is um, several other major sites. So it's not just little small sites, but OKCupid was one of them on there as well. Fitbit was one of there on there as well. I saw Meetup as one of the um, uh, kind of one of the HTML tags on there as well. Um, another one was Android. Another one was Uber. So. Is it these are major companies so it might be best to change your uh, password if you need to if you use one of those and you haven't really bought anything on there then no need to because you don't really need to do it anyways but moving on to the FCC so the FCC has well um, there's a new commissioner and I'm not really well I don't really like him that much because he doesn't like net neutrality or he's trying to negate the broadband privacy rules and what the former FTC commissioner and board was trying to do is trying to create these new rules for privacy for customers so broadband had to follow these as well i'm not big on regulations but there's some regulations that you just have to have to protect customers so what the new one The new commissioner has done is kind of been like yeah we're going to figure something out as well well the ftc isn't really happy with the fcc for doing this because it's like we don't know what's going on we don't know what you're trying to do um a one-size-fits-all ruling isn't the best because the problem is with that is that uh tech is getting more diverse there's different problems with it and it's just not the same as it used to be type of a thing but the new commissioner is Doing it this way, even though I don't agree with it. Now with the net neutrality, he wants to get rid of it. I am not in favor of this in any shape or form. The reason is that the ISPs have not been trustworthy to any extent whatsoever, ever. Verizon has not been, T-Mobile's all right, Uh, the AT&T definitely has not been, Comcast the worst. Uh, And net neutrality was the way of, like, neutralizing this and making sure that everybody, you know, equal playing field type of a thing and weighing all this stuff out. Well, he doesn't like it saying it was a mistake. He supposedly says that uh, spending was down when it actually was up. See, even, even if I'm a little bit more right conservative. I still see problems with the right conservative mindset a lot of times, especially in tech. The other problem is, is that internet speeds in the United States has not been good. We are very low on the totem pole of internet speeds. We're not like the bottom, cause that's usually North Korea because they have terrible internet or Venezuela, I think that's number two. Uh, but we are not in the top 10 at all. And we should be at least in the top 10 not the number one we don't think to be number one but it's taking these isps forever to actually build up the infrastructure and they haven't really been doing a great job what they've doing a great job is is implementing more data caps because data caps are fun which are they aren't really they're kind of just a big hassle i'm glad to see that unlimited plans are coming back even if they aren't technically unlimited at least they you don't get charged extra for going over your data cap that's another great thing I like that I enjoy that I have no problems with that I'm glad to see it back now we have the problem with broadband broadband still has internet data caps because reasons I don't know really the reasons why I really would like to see net neutrality back and to actually see that well the FCC is actually protecting its customers and making sure everything's neutral. No one site gets preferential treatment, but it looks like this new commissioner doesn't really care about that because they're bad rules. They're really bad rules when you're trying to be keep a web that was originally open to still be open. I don't get it. He keeps on saying it it stifles innovation. No, the ISP stifled their own innovation by allowing to buy up other ones and then just going up, oh, this is your territory, this is our territory, we don't really need to do much. And then Google comes in and goes, oh, well, we're gonna build our own. They're like, oh, dang it. They have really fast internet speeds. We're gonna lose customers this way. We gotta do this, jump ship, do this, whatever you can to, you know, get get our speeds faster. That's, that's how it happens. I get with, and I get that having less regulations does help with innovation. But when you don't see innovation for quite a while from these places, you have to wonder, is it really regulations or was it really the ISPs taking advantage of an opportunity? That's always my problem with it. I am not against less regulations. I'm, I'm more for smart regulations if we can figure it out, but less usually is better. But in this case, net neutrality is a much needed thing. This is probably the, one of the few things I'm actually more liberal on well, I'm actually pretty liberal, more classical liberal, but one of the few things I'm more modern liberal, I guess. Is one of the few modern liberal one things. I think it's only one of the few things that I actually am on, and I really would like to see the neutrality still there and still taking place because it needs to be. Should they be, um, should they be uh, classified as? Uh, Utilities? Well, the problem is, is that some states they did decide to be, part, to be classified as utilities and some states they didn't. So they have to pick one and they cannot just jump ship every time it's like, up, oh, this is better. We should be a utility, Up, oh, not better. So we're not, just so many problems with this. Nah, it makes me want to shake my fist. Anyways, moving on to Udacity. So Udacity bought, bought uh, Cloud Labs uh, for its first ever acquisition. That's right, first ever acquisitions is part of this episode apparently Uh, but um, Cloudfair is a way for people to collaborate programming uh, through the cloud basically in real time Uh, so this is just gonna help their uh, classes through coding as well so the teacher can be like well you did this wrong and just help them out or being grouped and do group projects as well this is actually a really interesting buy a great buy for them as well Um, they've worked with them before so this was more of an hire. so all of them are being hired on it's a very small team in general, but it'll be interesting to see how more collaborative and how more uh, cloud-based programming can help uh, with pe- with wannabe or uh, amateur or rising star coders out there. I'm all for people learning how to code. I think it's a really great thing to do it, but we'll see See if this actually does anything, or if it doesn't, I don't really know. All right, here's my other grip. Okay, so, uh, so it looks like, uh, a university in San Francisco, one of the most liberal places in California, even though California is mostly liberal, but it's very deep blue, I would say deep navy blue, um, has decided to lay off its IT workers and outsource its jobs. So, what's always been controversial is the H 1B visas. And the H 1B visas. Um, usually are taken advantage of by the tech industry. So the tech industry always goes, oh, there's not enough great talent, so we need to outsource them. But it usually is, we don't wanna pay enough for the workers, so we're gonna outsource to lower the pay so we can get more workers, but with for less. And That's usually how it is, and usually the tech companies don't want you to know about this because they don't want you to figure out that Well, we're kind of being uh, led astray and going, oh, well, we really care about immigrants. No, you really care about saving costs and making sure you get the cheapest labor you can, and that's even through IT and everything else. So I have fully recognized, and I feel sorry for these IT people in a university, mind you, that were laid off and... um, supplemented by h1b visas uh now the university says oh this is not for it, and we're saving about 30 million dollars i'm like okay where else could you save thirty million dollars how about shaving some of the administration or chancellor costs off and making sure they don't get so an astronomically high amount of money when it people are well vital to your infrastructure especially since Schools are becoming more and more online. Of course not, that would be sensible. No, let's get rid of the IT people because IT people can be offshored because, well, reasons, and we're all for immigration when it's helping our bottom line. So basically, you're just trying to do indentured service too, and we're back to the original state of how the United States was formed. You see where I'm going with this? This is asinine. It's asinine, and I'm sick and tired of tech companies thinking or going oh look how virtuous we are and really they're always going oh we're only we're only doing this because we want to make sure that the h1b visas aren't touched or changed in any way so we can still exploit them in all their glory so yes university of san francisco you were awful ucsf as it is you were awful you were terrible you could have you could have docked or kind of Taking down some pay from the president, you could have taking down some pay from the chancellors, but no, you decided to go after the IT workers because reasons. Now, if you think, oh, this isn't going to get any worse, yeah, it's going to get worse. I mean, NAFTA kind of helped a lot of manufacturing jobs go the way of the Buffalo. Um, Service jobs went that way as well. Like I said, this is eventually going to be going down the line, and we're going to see less and less jobs this way, unless there's a fix for this, unless a way to to, clear, to basically plug up the loopholes in these things so that so these companies cannot take advantage of it. I'm all in favor of trying to like help other people from other countries, but don't do it at the expense of American people as well because you think you're trying to do something great, which is you're just trying to help your bottom line. I know it's helping your bottom line, and I'm not impressed. I'm actually more furious about it because you're just being idiots. I would say another word, but this is supposed to be a clean one, so... I filtered it in my head. It was supposed to be the A word if you're figuring out. I'm not saying it because I'm still wanting to be not explicit. I want want it to be a clean YouTube uh, channel so I'm doing my best not to. Yes it's difficult sometimes. Anyways moving on to AMD. So AMD uh, this week released two new things. First released uh, stats or benchmarks I should say and price and release uh, dates for the Ryzen. So the Ryzen actually comes out tomorrow or today if it's Thursday or March 2nd. Uh, but they released uh, some specs and some specs were really interesting. Um, it looks like it outbeats, uh, well, let's first go, let's dial it back a little bit. So they, re- they released three new CPUs, the 1800X, the 1700X, and the 1700. Now the 1800X and the 1700X is about 95 watts and they're all—they're all, they're all eight-core, uh, 16-thread CPUs, which is great. Uh, and they're all—they're all back to the uh, X86 architecture. It's a brand new architecture, uh, and this looks like to bring AMD back to being actually a uh, competitor to Intel. Uh, the great thing is is that the prices for these are priced really competitively. So the 1800X, which supposedly uh, beats in some areas uh, the fastest thousand thousand uh, dollar CPU um, In that I should say in that bracket I should say in that bracket CPU and from Intel uh, It's about five hundred dollars and their CPU Intel is a thousand dollars and then the 1700x is 400 and it goes it goes down from that but The benchmarks looks promising it looks like it beat it in Um, multimedia creation as well. I know that my uh, CPU which is 2700 is getting long in the tooth I need to figure out a way of doing it so if I can find reviews that show that it's actually going to be a uh, great thing, 1700 or 1800 I'll figure out which one if it's going to be great for multimedia I'm probably going to be jumping on that because the the, uh, CPU's are reasonably priced and you get great performance out of that and that's that is the new i guess goal for amd is giving great performance at a pretty good price uh, intel is still okay performance at extremely high prices because reasons uh but it's good to see that now is this scaring intel a little bit it's scaring them a little bit because the benchmarks were good from what they showed. they didn't show every one of them so i'm still waiting and tomorrow we'll we shall see or today if it's thursday uh we shall see um some more uh, reviews on it and see if it's actually any good from independent uh... benchmarks, not AMD's because they did it on their show or on their live stream uh... and it was great to see it but they were showing the best. I want to see like the nitty gritty of everything that's good and bad also they unveiled the Radeon Vegas which is going to be the RX 500 series it's going to be the Vega 10 the Vega 11 um... it's very interesting uh... it should actually do very well It should be the more of the higher end card series they're also going to use the high uh, band capacity uh hmb sorry i don't remember actually remember the, the whole name of it but it it's let's just say high bandwidth cache controller that's the one it is so that's what it's going to be uh, for the vega architecture it's four times power efficiency two peak uh throw put slash performance per clock high bandwidth cache Two times bandwidth per uh, pin. Like so much really great stuff in it. I'm expecting these to actually be priced around f- the high ends, probably around 400 to $500. That's a guess. Um, but the release dates look like to be around May 30th to June 3rd. Um, so look out for that. Um, so you're going to have the, five, uh, the 580, the RX 580 and the RX 570, which are the higher end. Uh, deliver about 10% uh, better performance than its predecessor, which was the RX 47480. Uh, so you have that as well. The 560 and the 550 are more for the 560 and uh, the 460, and the, f- the lower end 400 line that uses the Polaris 11. Um, now they do have a joint partnership with Bethesda, and they are going to, um, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good joint partnership to get Vega, or Vulcan, excuse me, Vulcan um it's, a, it's basically a competitor for DirectX 12 and it looks like to be the better competitor out of all of them. So it's good to see it. Also, not to be outdone with it, NVIDIA unveiled their own graphics card, well their newest graphics card, the GTX 1080 Ti. And well it's it's not it's not cheap. Um, it's basically around seven hundred dollars. Yay! Really expensive. Now it has a whopping 11 gigs of, uh, of uh, RAM, uh, it's the 5 series, the GDDR5X, um, which is a lot, uh, GDDR5X. Uh, 11 gigs of RAM, it has 3584 CUDA cores, um, which is quite a bit, and it doesn't use the HMB2, which AMD is going after instead. Um, now the wattage is absurd is 220 watts you have to get out of this now the vanilla uh, 1080 is 180 and the titan x pascal is 250 watts so just alone you're gonna have to have a huge power block just for this absurd card uh do i think this is absurd yes i think this is so exceptionally absurd for 700 dollars i'd rather wait for the amd or get just the 980 or the the 1080 instead. I mean, it's not. It's a couple hundred dollars less expensive and lost less, less wattage. I mean, when you're trying to build a computer, you have to, like, mitigate all the different um, power consumption it is. You have to get the right power block or your computer doesn't run or bad things can happen for it as well. So it's just absurd to see that 220 watts. That's a lot. I mean, it's great to see 11 gigs of RAM, but most games that I know of use about... 2 to 4 gigs, that's about it right now. Is it going to get more? Of course it's going to get more. It's always happens, but it's usually a slow march. It's not a fast march, it's a very slow march for it. But, I mean, I, lo- I think NVIDIA does a great job with their video cards. I just think they go absurd sometimes for just absurdity reasons. Um, now, the interesting thing is that it's clocked at 1.6 gigahertz boost clock, and then at the overclocking, it's about 2 gigahertz. So that's a lot. It also has. 12 billion transistors that's a lot of transistors in there um, it was basically a redesign is it going to be an expensive card? yes, it's around $700 the Titan X project was 1200 it's a ridiculous amount of money for a graphics card even though it might last you for quite a while but yeah I, I love NVIDIA cards I think they're great however, I think this is absurd to, for absurdity's sake. I think it's all the reason they did it. Like, we can pack this much in. and be like, yay, I don't want to spend $700. I mean, especially since even AMD CPUs are cheaper than that. Anyways, moving on to the Raspberry Pi Z- Zero W, uh, which is $10. And it brings Wi-Fi and Bluetooth to minuscule micro PC. Now, the great thing about all this is that if you didn't know, the Raspberry Pi is basically a really small computer uh, for expensive, and you can do a lot of different things. You can even do the original Raspberry Pi not the Zero because the Zero is a smaller one and basically build a very standard computer with that. It's a great way to get kids to understand how to build computers and it's a great way to just um, testing things out and build, and making sure you're building interesting things and not spending a lot of money on it as well. Well it's great to see they actually use Wi-Fi and Bluetooth with it now and it's about $10 for it which is pretty inexpensive for Computer parts in general, but I like this. There's new plastic casing for this as well. I'm all in favor of it. Now there's two different models. One is a one gigahertz single core CPU with 512 megabytes of RAM and a mini uh, HDMI and a micro USB OTG as well. Um, so that's just one of the variants. There's other variants as well for that, but um, for that amount of money you're getting, that's actually a pretty good. Um, It's a pretty good specs for the amount of money that you're actually using for it. The case is coming at about $5, so out of pocket you'd be spending about 15 bucks for a very small computer. What's more to lose? All right, so yesterday uh, Google slash YouTube announced, well, an interesting new thing. It's called YouTube TV. That's right, YouTube is going after cord cutters with $35 a month for six people. That's right, and it's unlimited DVR. You've got all the shows from ABC to Fox to Sci Fi, uh, ESPN's on there, USA's on there as well, Fox News, There's a whole bunch of different uh, sh- networks as well. You can also add in Showtime and other ones um, for $35 a month. Um, you can also get USA, FXE, Bravo. And a whole slew of other ones um, I didn't really see history which is a bummer because history's got some good channels on there um, but the great thing is, is it's unlimited DVR you can watch live TV as well uh, and this is actually a really good deal for people that just don't want cable because cables just so dang expensive uh, is it available yet no not yet but uh, this is actually a really good competitor it's probably gonna make a lot of cable providers kind of upset. You can also watch it on your phone too. So there's that as well. It's also gonna be Chromecast compatible for your TV, so you can use it with your Chromecast. So if you are a full Google team, this is actually a really good one for you. Uh, there's gonna be three different tabs, live library and home, so you can see that as well. And then you can look uh, type in different types of chat because, I mean, uh, for search, and you, uh, Google's known for that as well. So, uh, I think this is actually really, good, really good. Um, it's a really good thing. It's it's really competitive pricing. It should be interesting to see it. So you get five of your friends, and pay like five bucks a month for each one of them for thirty five dollars a month. That's pretty. It's pretty expensive for TV. Uh, I would look into this. I would highly recommend this instead of well cable in general. All right, moving on to apps and programs you should try out this week. So there's something called Tweety. That allows you to look at your <laughs> look at your uh, Twitter followers and see if you want to like them or not by swiping left or right. So if you're kind of lazy and you really don't want to actually go through it, this is the this is the lazy man's way of doing it. So you can just swipe left or right uh, and figure out if you want to keep these people or not. It's called Tweety. It's both, it's available for iOS and Android too. Also, there's a new one for iOS only. It's called Video Teleprompter 2.0, and it's actually 20% off right now, so it's $12. Um, but it basically gives you a teleprompter so you know exactly what you're going to be saying without anybody else knowing what you're saying. And so you won't be like, uh, um, uh, like I do every once in a while. It happens. I'm running a whole bunch of things. But I like it. I like where it's going. I like the vlog. I like how you can get everything done quickly. Um, and you can adjust it so it won't take up every, the whole screen as well. I think this is actually a really interesting thing. It's called Video Teleprompter 2.0. Also, if you love movies, Popcorn seems to be the best one for you. We can discover and picked uh, shows for, or movies for you, like Magnific- The Newest Magnificent Seven or Ghostbusters, the original, because the new one isn't good. You can debate me on that if you want to. But everything, and everything in between you can get as well. And then finally, uh, Medium has released a new uh, feature called Stories where you can shift through Stories from politics to tech to whatever that is to um, art, anything. It's just a great way of using it to continue the story and continue people using Medium because this is, this is the way of doing it. I think is it's an interesting way of doing it uh it's kind of very more bigger headlines and then you click on to see well what it's actually all about so it should be interesting to see what it's going to all be about if actually people are going to use it but they probably are going to be tapping into their favorite um their favorite bloggers on medium to actually get this rolling out yeah that is the end of digital coffee the co- digital coffee cup is all out. It's all out, guys. I've, I've run dry. Anyways, thank you for tuning in. As always, subscribe to Digital Coffee on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and many others. Also, uh, follow Digital Coffee on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, I'm on Google+. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Anchor Radio. Player.me too. And... As always, if you like these podcasts, please consider supporting me on Patreon or PayPal or Podbean as well. And I have some great uh, T-shirts and coffee mugs in my Digital Coffee Podcast store. Just just go hit the store on digitalcoffeepodcast.com and pick up one for you. All right, guys, join me on Friday when I go through Gaming News and Gamers Cafe. All right, guys, have a great Thursday and see you Friday. Later.